Hello, and welcome to the Don't Be Stupid podcast. Uh, just a quick heads up before we start this episode, we actually recorded it about four or five months ago, a little before Christmas, and uh, saying that makes me a little sad uh, since we haven't put this or anything else out for this long. Uh, there are a few reasons for that. Uh, number one, Christmas time is always crazy, um, but uh, also I got a new job, and most of all, we lost our producer, Bobby. Um, didn't die. He's perfectly alive. Uh, we, uh, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow night. Um, but he is a real producer who has gotten busy being successful and working on paid projects, which means he won't be able to continue to work on DBS, except for maybe a special thing here and there. So we waited and waited. Uh, not sure exactly what we were going to do, but I, like I said, landed a cool new job that is going to give me a much more stable life. So I decided that I'd give it a shot. I did produce the episodes at the beginning until Bobby took over, uh, so I decided I'd start doing that again. So here we are. I apologize if the quality is not quite up to what we've been doing, but uh, it's better than no podcast, in my opinion, <laughs> and I promise I will get better. Uh, but now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. This is a really interesting one. Uh, we discuss guns and self-defense, and I particularly struggle throughout it. I'm not quite sure what I think, um, but I hope you enjoy it. And once you've listened, uh, head over to the Facebook page and let us know what you'd think. I'd really uh, like to hear your opinions. So uh, without further ado, let's jump right into it. Now, this is going to be an interesting episode. It's one of those that I'm a little nervous about because uh, I have no idea how this is going to go because I, like I normally do, um, when we decide the topic that we're going to discuss, I start doing some research and kind of dive into some books that I have and do a bit of reading, that kind of thing. And most of the time, what happens when I do that is that I have an idea, like a general idea of what I think. And then, um, but it's been a while since I've studied the topic. And so going back into it, I read some stuff and then add a little bit of, I guess, depth to what I think. But it's, I still come into it just a little more confident in what I already believe before we decided to do the topic. This time... I kind of, I thought this subject would be interesting, but after, <laughs> after we decided on it, I got this book that I just happened to find uh, a really good Kindle deal on All right. and read this book. And now I have no idea what I think on this subject. Interesting. I, okay. I am, <laughs> I am at a loss. So, uh, I am not going to have a lot of confident things to say when it comes to this issue. So uh, we'll, we'll see what you think. Okay. And we'll yeah. kind of go from there. But that is kind of interesting that I just read a book and now I have no idea what I think. Yeah, usually books, <laughs> are, I, good, books are good for creating opinions, not uh, yes. eliminating them. 
Yeah. <laughs> All I know is that I, 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 I might, I might be a pacifist. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know yet. I haven't, uh, I, I really don't know. So what do you think on, uh, on guns? What, what's your opinion when it comes to guns? Uh, I love them. I love guns. You love guns. I just okay. love having guns. Uh, I own a gun. Um, I, I enjoy them for sport and so just for like going out with buddies and shooting guns, all kinds of guns, handguns, yeah. rifles, uh, assault rifles. My brother-in-law's got an AR-15. That's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so you're from Kansas. Is what you're telling exactly. Me. <laughs> I live in the Midwest. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like it. There's just something really enjoyable, I find personally, about shooting guns. And I think most people find it kind of exhilarating. Um, hunting's kind of fun too, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that guns can be pretty valuable deterrent for crime. If you have, okay. um, I think of a lot of situations, you know, I, in fact, I've been looking at, I'd like, I kind of like to buy something small and reliable that Sky could use for home defense. Um, because I feel like if somebody comes in, if you have a gun and even if it's a smaller gun that probably, you know, let's say the perpetrator is a large man isn't going to necessarily knock him on his back. When bullets start flying at you, people tend to turn tail and run. So uh, it's, you know, what they say, guns are kind of the great equalizer. And uh, my, you know, and so, I don't know, you know Sky. She's not a big person. And nope. so... <laughs> Most any guy is going to be bigger and probably stronger than her. And though she would fight like a mother bear to protect our children, um, there's only so far physical strength can go. And so, yeah. and so I don't know. So I'm, I'm kind of, I would say I'm pro second amendment and, uh, okay. all that jazz. So let's go back a little bit. What's, uh, why do you, why do you like shooting guns just for sport and that kind of thing? Uh, how often do you do it and why do you enjoy it? I do it less often than I would like because ammunition is expensive and <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I also tend it. Time is the other issue. Um, why do I like it? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, there's just, why do people like building large bonfires? I, you know, it, I almost feel like there's some almost, it's kind of the similar feeling of, uh, in one sense, like the, the power that you wield, um, there's kind of that, but then also, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, um, I go, like, I like to play golf with my friends. Like in some ways it's, it's usually, usually when I go shoot, it's a social activity. So it's something I can yeah. do with friends. Um, there's also like kind of that sport to it of trying to hit the targets that you're aiming at and who can do that the best. And so Mm -hmm. like, kind of like playing golf, I'm not very good at golf, but I like to do it because it's fun social activity and it's kind of this challenge to accomplish and guns kind of the same way, but 
I think there's kind of that other part of other side of with guns of like you kind of are holding and wielding almost this immense power. Like you know, if somebody does something stupid and steps down range, like like life and death is at stake. And I think that kind of almost that same thing that draws young boys to want to play with matches. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. dangerous, but it's also fascinating. And so I don't know. So I think it's a little bit of both, like the competitive social aspect and also like the wielding great power. Okay. Um, the last few Fourth of Julys, um, that morning I've gone with my father-in-law and a bunch of his friends to go shoot. Um, in a, one of them owns a really large chunk of land where they have a farm and everything. And, uh, what they always do is get Tannerite. Have you ever shot Tannerite before? (laughs) I haven't, but I have seen, (laughs) I haven't personally shot Tannerite, but I have seen other people shoot Tannerite. So for you listeners, Tannerite is an explosive that only, uh, blows up when hit with something with a high velocity. So like a bullet. Um, so they put it, basically the Tannerite is the target and you shoot the target and it explodes and it's a giant explosion, which makes for a very satisfying shoot Yeah, and <laughs> rather than just hitting a paper target or something. And you can pretty easily acquire a lot of Tannerite. So yes, it's not very expensive and pretty easy to purchase. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's over the shelf, easy to find. Yep. And purchase stuff. And yeah, it makes a... <laughs> it's like playing with dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know when you hit your target. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah there is no question. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But yeah, so that's... We're both from Kansas, and so that's a very common thing, is going out and shooting. Everyone owns guns. But you did say that you think that guns are a an effective deterrent for crime. Some studies have shown that when you that it's not actually an effective deterrent because what happens is that when someone comes in to like rob someone's home, most of the time they're not actually going to harm the people there. But if a gun is introduced, then there's a lot better chance that someone will actually be be harmed, the person in the home. So while some say that it is a, an effective deterrent, um, like, I mean, the NRA talks a lot about the, like what you said, the, the great equalizer, you know, a good guy with a gun against a bad guy with a gun. Um, but studies have shown that it may not be that clear. What's your opinion on that? Do you think that it is actually a very good deterrent for crime? Or have you looked into that much? Well, uh, I, I can see, um, I think... I can see where a gun would be ineffective if the person wielding the gun is not prepared to use it or doesn't know how to use it properly. Um, I think that there's a reason the Secret Service is armed. And in that same sense, um, I I think that... uh, I don't know. I imagine a situ- any situation where there, like, there's been mass shootings and stuff like that. Even if somebody didn't necessarily shoot the person perpetrating the crime, when bullets start flying back at you, you don't just stand up in the middle of a crowd, reloading your gun and shooting at people. You you take cover, which is what tends to happen whenever the police show up, 
or they stand in the open and get shot, and then that's the end of it. But um, I don't know. I well, just recently there was this situation at uh, what was the university where the guy drove like into a crowd and then jumped out and started wielding a knife around. Was it Ohio State? Oh, I don't know. I think. Oh yes, I think so. I think it was at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, fortunately, there were campus police were like right there, and like and they were able to immediately put the guy down. So obviously he was, if the campus police are carrying a firearm in the course of their job, they've been well-trained and are prepared to use it. And so I think in a situation like that, like where you have people that are well-trained and prepared to use their weapon and know how to use it properly, then yes, I think it's very, very effective at stopping crime. Uh, If it wasn't, then I don't know that, I don't think police officers would carry guns. But, um, or at least we can make a case for why they shouldn't. And yeah, I suppose some people are trying to make that case, actually. So I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think the same is true for civilians carrying guns. I think the problem us- usually arises when you have people that have a gun that aren't prepared to use it or don't know how to use it well. You cut out for a second there. What was the last point? Oh, I was just saying, if somebody doesn't know necessarily how to use their gun well or isn't prepared to really use their gun in that situation, yeah. then yeah, I think you actually create a worse problem than if they had no gun at all. Okay. Do you think that's an arg- a good argument for having more restrictions on guns? And who can t- obtain them? Because um, if you take what you just said to the logical conclusion is that people who don't know how to use them could create more harm. And so why not make more restrictions so that those who do have them can use them and those that can't use them don't have them? Yeah, I, I, well, I suppose the other part of that is like personal freedom and how far... Um, like, it's not that difficult to obtain a driver's license, especially if you've already had one in the past. So, yeah. So how far do we go in making sure people are actually good drivers before we allow them on the road? Um, yeah. I think some of that... But we do at least take some of those precautions and have, like, you have to have insurance and you... I mean, you have to have register your car, those kinds of things, yep. and we don't require that for guns. Yeah, I guess state to state it's kind of different with, with when it comes to guns. Uh, I, do, I think some restrictions is fair, but... I don't know. I, I kind of find it, in one sense, I think, yeah, if somebody's, personally, I think, yeah, if you're going to own a gun, and especially if you're going to carry for self-defense, you should probably educate yourself on how to use that gun and be sure that you're prepared to use it when the situation comes up. But on the other side of that, uh, does the law need to restrict that? And should the law, how far do we go with the personal freedom for people to maybe because I know if we don't have regulations, yeah, there were people who do that and don't do it properly. Mm-hmm. But is it the government's job to make sure those situations don't come up? And I don't know that there's a government fix for every problem, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Let's say that there's this perfect study that comes out and is able to prove that if we um, introduce a certain number of like more restrictions, like take away 
automatic and semi-automatic guns and start registering guns, that kind of thing, that the homicide, homicide rate will go down significantly. Let's say that that's the case, that crime does go down significantly and there are less people that die because, because of it. If that could, could be proven, would you be for those restrictions? Um, well, I... I know it's a hypothetical and it can't be proven. Yeah, and I think there's actually... I'm been, just testing... I think there's actually been studies that show that like bans on assault rifles and any sort of assault weapons actually don't do anything to the crime rate since most, cri- since most gun crimes are not with those kind of weapons anyway. But yeah, <laughs> but hypothetically, that could be proven. I think, I think I would still err more on the side of not restricting those guns because of the other mm-hmm. part of the Second Amendment of which. Well, I guess actually the Second Amendment in general, where it talks about being allowed to have weapons, is more about citizens being armed to protect themselves from the government and not necessarily yeah. even from criminals. And so. Um, I think, but at the at the point where our government is now, with its advanced military and weaponry, do you think that even citizens having AK forty sevens is actually going to be a uh, a deterrent if we're trying to revolt against our government? Yeah, not very effective. I mean, yeah, because they're going to have tanks and artillery and things that citizens aren't going to have access to. But if that's the case, then we could just say no guns altogether because nothing you do is going to be effective, so we'll just take everything away. I think that allowing people to have assault weapons will be more effective than if they can't have that at all. And will it be how effective? Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, we already do some sort of restriction. Like, we're not going to let regular citizens have, like, rocket launchers and tanks and stuff. And so it's like we've already drawn the line somewhere. I think you you can own a tank, but most people just can't afford it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You can't have grenades or rocket launchers, though. (laughs) Yeah. So, in fact... Which, honestly, is really what I want. You're, so your tank may not be able to shoot rockets if you own one. I don't really, I can't remember what the rules are on that, but I think, I yeah. think really affordability is usually the biggest issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how much a tank costs? Yeah. I don't, this is where, ah, uh, man. Cause I hear your point, but on the other side of it, I still think that, a total disarming of citizens is still going to be a lot easier than like even this, you know what I mean? Like at least there's some resistance. That being said, I don't think that the government's going to turn on its citizens anytime soon. Like we have a voluntary military and pretty much most all the people that I know who want, who are willing to volunteer for the military tend to lean more conservative. Yeah. And even those that lean to the left, if they're, if their government, gave them orders to turn on their own citizens. I just, I can't imagine very many scenarios and where that would fly. Where like they would actually go. Sure. Now I know people would point out, well, look at this pocket case here and there where 
you know, we feel like the protesters were in the right, but the government was in the wrong, and yet you had military-type personnel, law enforcement, whatever. But in a massive scale, like Civil War-type of scale, uh, yeah, I just don't see our military rounding up its own citizens <laughs> to any great extent. I think the volunteer, yeah. those military people would be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so I don't really see that as a serious threat right now. I guess it's just the principle of it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I land on this one. Like how many, I think that we should be able to have guns. I think the Second Amendment is an important thing, but I just don't know where the line should be drawn. I kind of lean towards there should be more restrictions, but I still think people should be able to own them. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. Definitely pro Second Amendment, but it's like, how far do we go with that? Yeah. Because have you read much about Australia and how they've handled it? I haven't. Mm-mm. So about like, I think it's about 30 years ago, there was a, uh, um, a mass murder. And in reaction to that, their government um, put a lot of restrictions on guns. Like you can't have automatic and semi-automatic weapons and things like that. And there was a giant buyback of tons and tons of weapons. Um, but they still are able to, like if you want to have guns in order to use them to hunt or if you just want to use them for sport and like shooting range, that kind of thing, um, then you can you can get them. It's just a more rigorous process to do it. And their uh, homicide rate has gone down significantly and their suicide rate, homicide and suicide, have both gone down significantly and um, have not started rising again. And so it was really, really effective. And so it's like... That's where I look at that, and it's like, that is fairly restrictive, and way more than what uh, any Kansan that I know would want. Yeah. But uh, it was effective, and lots of people are still alive today because of it, and also those who really like shooting guns are able to have them and to shoot with them. But it's, I don't know, and there were some other laws, like you, they track them now, so like if your gun is lost, you have to report it that it was lost or stolen. Yeah. So that the government can keep track of all of it. So I don't know, kind of interesting. And I don't know where, like it's going to be this entire episode. I don't know where I land on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I'm sympathetic to that. Um, boy. Uh, I don't know. I just wonder like, is there, I guess, are we allow? are we going to be okay or comfortable that, yeah, if we have, if we don't have as restrictive laws, this so many people are going to die or we do we say we'd rather have the freedom and, you know, um, it's kind of yeah. like there was a, there's like this, I remember a radio lab episode where they talked about a surveillance technology where they, they could put a plane up that circles around over cities at a really high altitude, like you would never see it from the ground, except for maybe like on a really, really clear day. And even then it would be like a speck up there in the sky. And it can do surveillance like 24-7 over the city. But um, people are pretty much just like little dots on a map. Like it's not like high-tech camera technology or anything like that. However, if somebody's child was abducted, like let's say walking home from school, they say, okay, well, where's the last time we saw this person? Like 
I don't know. Let's say it was like five o'clock in the evening. The parents like, oh, my kid never showed up at home. This is really weird. They call the school. The school's like, well, they were here at the end of school day. Say so they say, okay, so we find the school, and basically they look at the path the child normally takes from home, and then they can, with pretty high probability, like, okay, this little dot here moving across this street, that's that's your child. So they they tag that dot, and then they follow that dot on the map. Where does it go? And then maybe they see a truck pull up at some point next to the child. And blah, 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 exchange. Maybe some guy jumps out, grabs the child, throws it in the truck, and drives away. Well, now they're tracking that truck, and they can see exactly where it goes, and then they can mm-hmm. go and within minutes be on the scene to find and rescue the child. So, like, no more child abductions. Yeah. That's really great. But you end up having an eye in the sky 24-7 watching you. And yeah. that obviously that power could also be abused. So it's like, are we okay with allowing that, yeah, some children will probably get abducted and we won't have any power to stop it? Or do we want to give up our, our personal autonomy and allow the government yeah. to be able to spy on us anytime they want? Yep. Which is, I mean, many political discussions. The question is, how much freedom do you want to sacrifice in order to have more security? Or how much security do you want to sacrifice in order to have more freedom? I mean... That's all of these discussions, and it's difficult to land, to draw a line because we want security, but we also want freedom. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, you know, because in order to have one, you have to sacrifice a little of the well, other. Well, and like you mentioned, like with suicide, you know, um, guns are pretty ineffective at stopping suicides. And in fact, <laughs> in a lot of cases, sometimes make it even easier. They might find Because, I mean, even an extra couple minutes that it would take to do some other form of suicide, other method, um, that extra couple minutes is actually really, really beneficial for someone to talk themselves back out of it. So it's a, most of the time it's a split-second decision. And taking away readily available guns would actually reduce the suicide rate. So I don't know. It's another one of those things that it's like, freedom, security, (laughs) and it's a tough line to draw. So what about, so that's more of the political question. What about the more, I guess, Christian ethical question of self-defense in itself and using a gun to kill a person for self-defense? Do you think that that is okay? Let's, let's give a specific scenario. Let's say you're at home. Someone comes into your house with a gun. It's just you. You're the only one there. And they pull a gun on you. Is it okay for you to pull out a gun and shoot them first and kill them? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, Why do you think that? Okay. That's a different question. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, by the way, is the way we should be thinking about all things as Christians. Is that how we should go about it, though? The utilitarian ethic? Yeah, but I think that's a little different because I think there are commands in scripture against killing and there's not a command against going to the doctor. And there's also commands to love your enemies and lots of commands like that. My issue is that... Okay, so this is, this is kind of where I'm at. My issue is that I think that Scripture clearly says that it's wrong to kill. It used to be that I thought that Scripture was just, it's wrong to murder. And murder and killing are two different things. We could talk about that. But... Um, I think the scripture 
is clear that it's wrong to kill another human being. But I don't know that the scripture is clear on what you should do if other innocent lives are at stake. And so I personally, if it's just me in the house and someone who pulls a gun at me, I will not shoot them. I think that it should be legally allowed for that. I think that U.S. law should allow for self-defense. But I will not shoot first. <laughs> I think that's where I've landed. But if it's me and my wife and someone's going to attack her, I am going to defend her. But also, there are lots of scenarios that have shown in recent years that nonviolent um, attempts to stop shooters are actually a lot more effective than violent attempts. Um, there have been lots of scenarios where they've just started talking to the person that entered their home and ended up the person left without harming anyone. And so I'm kind of, I would defend my wife if it came to it, but also I don't know that pulling a gun on that person would actually be an effective way to defend her. So I'm not sure on that one. But I, the problem is that I don't think the Bible is super clear on the defending the lives of innocent people around you if it means killing someone. But I do think it's clear that it's wrong to kill someone. So Um, where would you find that? Romans 13. Yeah. But that's, they're going to, not necessarily that it's good that they're doing it. Because the government at that time definitely would. <laughs> they were completely okay with capital punishment. <laughs> I.e. Jesus. I don't know. I don't know that I would go that far. I would definitely not use the words totally fine. I think that it's something that happened and it was part of the law, but I think that it's not something that God wanted. And he was working continually through the Old Testament to work away from that. And the New Testament, I think, shows us that. Yeah, and polygamy. Right. I don't see it. Because <laughs> uh, that's where, yeah, I'm unsure on that one. 
I think that the government can do what it wants. The, but that Christians should be worried about the greater ethic for their own lives. And while the, the government's going to do what it's going to do, we shouldn't just do what our culture is doing, I guess. So even if the Bible does allow for the government to kill as punishment, which I don't know that the Bible promotes. I just think it says, yeah, the government's going to do that and you need to live and deal with that if the government's doing it. But I don't know that that means that it's okay, that we should support it. That's really... Uh, I'm unsure of that. <laughs> That's my problem. I don't know. I don't know. I think the ch- I think law enforcement is different from military because the sole goal of military is to go to war and kill people, while law enforcement it's to protect. And the chances of having to kill somebody in law enforcement are really really slim. So um, I think law enforcement is different than military, but also I don't know where I land on either of them. But I do think Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess where I where I am at this point is that I need to think about this more. And I I'm glad that we're doing this podcast cuz uh I like talking about these, thinking through this stuff with you. It's helpful. Um, which is kind of the point of this, this podcast is to teach people how to think through these things in conversation. But um, my main thing at this point is that it's really disturbing and greatly disappointing to see the way that Christians in our culture treat violence. Uh, killing in particular. It's nearly celebrated when it comes to things like self-defense and um, military, things like that. Like, I just think it's really weird. Like, if uh, early Christians um, were transported into the future and saw Christians today, I think they would be disturbed, greatly disturbed by the way Christians are so military-minded and so gung-ho about guns and self-defense and things like that. I think that we should be far more um, sorrowful when it comes to killing than we are, even if it is self-defense, even if yeah. self-defense is justified, even if it is completely okay to kill that person um, who is coming into your home. I think you should be deeply saddened by it if it happens. And I don't think Christians today, on a majority, are. Yeah, I've heard so many comments. Yeah, I've heard so many comments from uh, Christian men in particular that are like, when this kind of discussion comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, I'd blow the guy's head off. It's like that response is absolutely not the Christian response. That is an evil response. Even if it's justified. 
Even if that action is justified, that response is not. But those are two very specific examples. There are lots of examples in scripture where somebody does something bad and God doesn't explicitly say, oh, that was bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're from Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Also, on that note, we've talked before about how it's important to look to Christian fathers through the, uh, through the ages, early theologians, that kind of thing, to get their viewpoint. And it is interesting. Obviously, this is not a knockdown argument, but it is interesting 
to note that every single uh, Christian theologian that we can read um, from before 313 AD, um, every single one of them was uh, against self-defense for the Christian. They thought that it was wrong for a Christian to kill someone in defense of themselves. And the reason that it changes after 313 is Constantine. Lots of things changed. Because when Christianity became the uh, established religion, they kind of changed their views on uh, lots of things, including... Yep. It's the job of a king. Absolutely. And that's kind of where I am. Um, we, we should definitely come back to this topic. And there are lots of other things that we could talk about, like military and police and um, like war in general. Um, the idea of uh, just war. Um, so we'll definitely come back to this at some point. But really, that's kind of what I am taking away at this point is... I don't know where I land. I'm not a pacifist. I might be a pacifist, but I, I'm not at this point. <laughs> um, but it's just that I, you grew up in the Midwest and it's like this idea is drilled into your mind and you can't really, I never even thought twice about the idea of self-defense being okay. But it's like after looking into it more and reading some stuff from the early church fathers and reading some stuff from a viewpoint that is different from mine, which was my goal and reading that book is like, let's read something that I, I am not sure of and, uh, see what they think. Um, kind of come out on the other side that it's like, there are lots of things that I hadn't thought about before and I need to think more deeply about this because there may be a more Christian, more, um, biblical response than the one that, uh, I have just accepted and thought for a while. Yeah. 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 The the book that I read, um, just just in case uh, you guys want to look into it, it's called Fight. Um, the subtitle is A Christian Argument for Nonviolence something like that, but it's guy by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. And that's where he is. He's like, I own lots of guns. I, he said something like, uh, I think the closest thing to heaven on earth is the smell of a shotgun after it's been fired. Like he, he loves guns and loves shooting them for sport, but he thinks that it's wrong for Christians to kill 
And so, I don't know. It's an interesting perspective. But he thinks that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you could go shoot some Tannerite with. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But it was a well-written book, and I couldn't put it down. I read it in like three or four days. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we go? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll give you a call when I go. Uh, I assume that that'll happen 4th of July. So <laughs> I'll give you a call. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you enjoy, don't be stupid. Be sure and leave a review on iTunes. Be super helpful. Helps others uh, discover the podcast. Also, uh, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the DBS podcast uh, and leave comments there. Ask us questions if you want to hear our thoughts on some other topics. Um, what else? Oh, tell your friends about us. Um, we would love to hear from other people and uh, have some more listeners who are able to uh, participate in these discussions as well. So uh, tell your friends. And again, thank you. We really appreciate you listening. You guys are awesome. Goodbye.